From the Technology Association of Iowa, welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Waller, with my co-host, Molly Ross. This podcast will provide an exclusive look into technology-focused legislation during the 2021 session at the Iowa State House. We will speak with state lawmakers and Iowa technology companies from various industries on specific tech legislation, what it means for Iowans, and how it may impact technology companies across the state. The Iowa Tech Policy Podcast is proudly presented by Shazam, a member-owned debit network, processor, and core provider that believes community-based financial institutions strengthen and improve local communities. Learn more at shazam.net. Additional support provided by Davis Brown Law Firm, Google, and ProCircular. Joining me today to take a look back at the 2021 session and its impact on Iowa's technology industry, as well as to look ahead to our goals for next session, is TAI's current Public Policy Committee Chair and Senior Electrical Engineer at Sukup Manufacturing, Matt Cook, as well as the 2022 Committee Chair and CEO of ProCircular, Aaron Warner. Gentlemen, welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Happy to be here, Brian. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Matt, I'll start with you. Uh, why did you feel it was important? Uh, you represent a, a wonderful company in Sukup Manufacturing, but why did you want to give your time to lead Technology Association of, of Iowa's Public Policy Committee during this session? Uh, first of all, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to do so. Um, I kind of feel like at its core, you know, TAI is an organization that, I mean, it obviously speaks for its membership, but it also speaks for the technology community as a whole on behalf of the state of Iowa. And, you know, the most meaningful way for us to be able to get anything done on uh, the local and state level is to is to be part of public policy. And it allows us to weigh in on the most important things that are affecting our membership and the people of Iowa. And, you know, technology in general is is complicated. And um, it's really important that you understand the topics at hand. And we just want to make sure that, that we educate and inform the people who are making those really difficult decisions. And Aaron, I'll ask the same to you. You are the CEO of a cybersecurity company, and you have been very engaged for years, um, specifically through cybersecurity, but you're going to lend your voice now. We've convinced you and talked you into be the public policy committee chair for the 2022 <laughs> session. Uh, so why step up and, uh, you know, give your voice and your time to this worthy cause? You know, in that time, uh, it's been interesting to watch the evolution of TAI. Uh, it's grown from really a collection of CIOs uh, to this um, expansive collection of people from all different corners of the state. You've got folks from Western Iowa, from Far Eastern Iowa, Southern Iowa, amidst. It, it's a great blend of the different kinds of businesses that represent the, the state of Iowa. Um, it, it's an honor to be, uh, to be selected to chair this committee. Matt leaves some uh, very large shoes to fill both uh, figuratively and literally, Matt is about eight feet tall, I think. And yeah, I wear 14. Something is that true? 14. Wow. Yeah, 14. 14 okay. wide. Well, so there you have it, folks. Uh, I, I'm excited to, to participate. Um, most of my time in Des Moines with the legislature has been spent on pretty tactical things, uh, working with 
Senators not involved on um, cybersecurity related issues, but I think there are a lot of really great opportunities for the state, and it's an honor to be uh, to be a part of that program. Aaron, you talked about the diversity of the membership of the Technology Association of Iowa, and I think you two, your organizations represent that. Matt, can we dive in for our audience and paint the picture when we're weighing in on bills up there, whether to, to, to support them or oppose them? Can you talk about the, the people in the room and the public policy committee and the makeup of that group? Sure. Um, and, and this is also a thing that has really grown um, over time. Uh, when I started on the committee a few years ago, it was uh, it was a much smaller group where, we, you know, we were talking with uh, with our internal team, um, a few of the members in the both from our board um, and from uh, TAI uh, staff and, and and then some kind of interested individuals. And that has really now grown to encompass just a whole bunch of, uh, uh, companies of all, uh, sizes, uh, and, uh, political aspirations. And it's, it's really all over the map. Um, you know, it's, we try to be able to make it, you know, agnostic, um, as possibly just want the best outcome, um, for our membership and for the, and for the people of the state. And I think by getting a much bigger group, which with this last year, we regularly would have 30 people on the call. Um, and that was really, really fun to see kind of the momentum that we have built, uh, over the last two years. And, uh, uh, again, getting things that are, that are completely free of partisan politics and, uh, just focusing on the real issues. Like you said, technology is really hard. And so for us to educate legislators, that seems to be the, the, the central role of that group. And you guys have done that well. All right. So let's look at wins and losses. And I'll ask you this, both the same question. And I'll start with you, Matt, since this you're, uh, you're not done yet, but you're in your current chair role. Um, a win or a loss you'd like to share as you look back at the session? I mean, uh, obviously, the broadband bill is a big win for the state, um, for our organization. Um, but it's not—it's not so much the the like the bill that I'm super happy about that it got done because you know I think it was going to happen. Uh, but at the end of the day, we were actually integral in helping bounce ideas off of and 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 really help shape the policy in a way that we've never been asked to before. We were just kind of like, oh, TAI is here. You know, now it was, hey, what will TAI say about this? And we want to be able to get their feedback. And, you know, if we said something, they wanted to know why, as opposed to we already know what we're doing, you know, forget about it. You know, we're we're now in a situation where we've been working really hard at building those uh, those relationships and forging partnerships that have allowed us to be in the middle, you know, of a lot of these meaningful legislative conversations on the state level. And again, I'm just I'm excited, um, just really humbled to be a part of it. It's awesome. Aaron, look back at the 89th General Assembly at the Iowa State House. What will it be remembered for? Were there wins and losses in the technology space? What do you look back and look at? You know, it's um, it, it's been a tumultuous time, I think, politically speaking, just across the board. So, you know, there's um, there's so much going on at, at any given point in time. Um, you know, it's uh, I think if if I look back at the last year, uh, you've got. Uh, a variety of different social and business and technology legislation that's that's come through. And uh, TAI has a really nice opportunity to play the role of translator 
You know, we can uh, we can take some of these complex issues uh, that affect all of those different areas of life, uh, and and provide a perspective that uh, can be difficult to get. You know, a lot of the the work I think that Matt and I do in our in our day jobs uh, is is taking super complex topics and and putting them in to a language that normal people can understand. Um, cybersecurity is definitely that where you know the ins and outs of a specific issue um, may be very difficult to grasp, but if you get somebody who can can boil things down, it, it helps. So I, I think that's been the big win. It's the engagement that the, the TAI has had. Um, and the fact that the, the legislature and, and leadership, the governor's office has welcomed TAI with open arms. You know, I think that's that's probably the biggest win for me of the of the last year is that, you know, we we have a chance to have that dialogue and really to build those relationships. Look at you, positive guys. There's no losses, only wins here in your eyes. So (laughs) way to go. All right. uh, Technology uh, is at the forefront. And I want to talk about turn the page and kind of look towards next session because we kind of internally here and Matt, you're not done leading yet. We're going to go into policy development to prepare for the 90th General Assembly. Um, But if you could, the broadband discussion and before we leave that topic, Aaron, you're sitting there in Iowa City. Matt, you are sitting there in Sheffield, Iowa, and these are two vastly different communities. Does broadband mean something different to your communities? And Aaron, I'll start with you. I think it does. I think it it levels the playing field. You know, it gives um, folks in Sheffield and Clarinda and, you know, some of the more uh, uh, remote parts of the state a chance to participate in the conversation in the same way that anybody who lives in Des Moines or anybody who lives in Iowa City can. Um, I think a lot of people in, in the metro areas welcome that that engagement and and uh, it, if nothing else there's I mentioned the political discord um, I think a lot of that comes down to familiarity and um, putting leveling that playing field and giving people the, across the state an equal ability to participate can only do good things so I, I'm a big fan of the the broadband bill I, I applaud the legislature for for pulling something of that scale together it shows a lot of foresight. Matt, you sit there in Sheffield. Any any way you can personalize uh, your internet connectivity there to run this wonderful worldwide company of Sucup Manufacturing? Sure. I mean, uh, we've been fortunate to be able to have um, higher speed broadband access for, for some time now, but I do know for a fact that that is not the case Um with with a with our local surrounding communities uh as well as many of our customers communities where they live i i I can't tell you how many times i've spent uh uh time on the phone with local providers and uh, uh cellular companies just trying to be able to get our customers even access to the web um you know, short of doing dial up things, it's, uh, sometimes it's been really difficult. You know, we have so many, um, so many spotty areas in that last mile piece, um, where you might have it in town, but then those, those 10, 11 miles outside of town, uh, end up being very big deals, especially for, like I said, our rural, uh, agriculture company. We'll be right back to continue our conversation with Matt and Aaron. But first, a brief message from Denton's Davis Brown.
Remote work is by no means a new thing, but we can all agree that in the last year, remote work exploded, and with it, legal concerns and issues some businesses have never had to consider. I'm Beth Coonan, employment lawyer at Denton's Davis Brown. I've received so many remote work questions. If my employee is working from California, do I have to follow their laws? Do my foreign national employees need to report where they're working from? My employee was hurt at home while working. Do I have to make a workers' compensation claim? The answers, yes, maybe, and it depends. For more information, head over to dentons.com slash technology Iowa. All right, so let's kind of look into your crystal balls of the 90th General Assembly in 2022. Um, are there emerging things, whether it's cybersecurity or the anti-big tech conversation, or uh, are there emerging things? We're gonna this session. You'll look back. We were coming out of a pandemic, so I'll start with you, Aaron. Uh, as you kind of look to the future, are there themes? Are there legislative things that we should be prepared for? Sure. Um, you know, you mentioned cybersecurity. That's obviously a thing I think about a lot, and and hopefully a place where I can I can add a little bit of insight. Um, uh, I think, you know, this, this return to normal, uh, that's on the back end of, of COVID, I think that's going to be a big, a big piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, what does this new reality look like? Uh, cause the world has changed, uh, and some ways better and some ways worse. And we've got to find a way, uh, to, to help to bridge some of the gaps that have, have formed and, to kind of chart our course from from here on out. So I, I think there are a lot of great opportunities, just just a few. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of interest and willingness from, uh, uh, from academia and from uh, the legislature on public-private uh, policy uh, opportunities, chances for government and um, private industry to work more closely together. I think that's really healthy and it, it helps us to um, uh, enable Iowa to take advantage of some of the inherent uh, advantages that we have here in the state. Um, we do a lot of work on the East Coast and on the West Coast, and I can tell you uh, there are a lot of apartments for rent in Manhattan right now, and Boston is clearing out, and those folks are looking for places to work. Some of them are very technical folks that pre-COVID wouldn't have been able to conceive of living in a place like Iowa, but now a lot of them can do their work here, and you know, certainly we'd love to add them to the to the tax base and to the economy and add the things that they know and learn to to our sort of collective knowledge and competitiveness as a state. Yeah. And I think that's why we're so focused on making sure Iowa is seen as a welcoming place, because we just need all able body folks, especially in the tech industry. All right, Matt, you live through a session. Uh, you can kind of prepare for next session because I don't know how much they change, but as you look at it, 2022 session will bring what to the tech industry? Scrutiny. <laughs> if, if, I'm being on. On, if I'm being honest, you know, I think that that that's going to be uh, this anti-big tech bill that uh, that came out, um, I think, is rooted in a lot of ways in the right place. Like it came from a we don't like X. The problem is what are you going to do about it? And kind of working through the the cause and effect and the 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 laws of unintended consequences 
And how, how can we best focus that in a productive way moving forward, as opposed to it being a political sledgehammer? You know, we've had we've had a lot of that happen. I think that the whole country it, this this is more of a national issue than it is a state issue. Uh, I think that the states are doing what they can to be able to 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 stay relevant in this fight and to be able to 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 stick up for their values. And I applaud that. Um, it's just one of those things that you know I, I, I see this I see this working out um, better if we can if we can kind of stop. I think everybody is sick of the the pointing fingers game. And I think that that we're using these types of legislation as as punching bags or as the, as the pendulum will swing from one way to the other. And I think that we need to be focused on things that are bigger than that. I think that tackling the core issues as opposed to be able to make it hurt for somebody. I'm going to pull a thread here of cybersecurity for you, Aaron, really quickly. Uh, I'm a private citizen in Iowa. What is the government's role in cybersecurity and protecting my data or what is government's role in cybersecurity, if any? That's a, that's a good question. <laughs> I'll say that it's evolving. Um, you, cybersecurity is a moving target. Um, I'm a pretty technical guy. I come from a biotech world. I was the CTO and CIO. But at the end of the day, it's a people thing. Even the most technical issues are, are about people. So I think that uh, the role that government can play is sort of acknowledging that that's, that's the case. Um, looking to other uh, areas in terms of smart legislation when it comes to topics like prior uh, uh, privacy, um, when it comes to um, legislation that requires uh, businesses or governments to take certain steps or uh, to preclude certain steps. There was a bill uh, a couple of sessions back about um, that, that um, uh, disallowed government from being able to make ransomware payments. And I think those are really important topics to discuss. Um, and as long as those decisions are informed, uh, that they've asked the right kinds of questions, uh, I think that the government does play uh, a positive role in helping to protect organizations. I think the thing that's really missing is clarity. Uh, and that kind of goes back to, you know, Matt, some of your, your comments. Um, you really need to figure out what it is that you want to accomplish, right? Um, cybersecurity is an easy place uh, to pass a bunch of legislation, uh, but the legislation isn't really the point. The point of it is to keep companies productive and growing and um Legislation should really be a means to an end. And if you start and end those conversations with, like, what are we actually trying to do here? I think um, I, I think that's the way that the government can can be effective in in dealing with um, the the constant uh, evolving threats in, in cybersecurity. Matt, you want in on that, or you, is that good? I don't pretend to play in Aaron's world. Um, <laughs> you know, um, if, if you want to talk about uh, advanced manufacturing or automation, um, I'll I'll do that all day long. But uh, that piece of it is that that's all Aaron's. <laughs> I I, th I do think though, Matt. One one thing we have in common is that regardless of um, you know political background or even geography, right? I live in eastern side of the state and you live in Sheffield. I think that the conversations that we have most often are let's apply some logic here. 
you know, let's think through what makes sense, what's going to help us to uh, to move the needle for the state of Iowa to help to make to make it a better place to live. I mean, there's a lot of noise and, um, you know, cybersecurity is a, is a good example of that, but there are plenty of others. So, you know, applying a rational approach to uh, government application of um, of regulation and so forth, and in some cases being willing uh, to say, you know what, I don't think we need legislation here. I think that's that's a piece of the puzzle that is missing, and I think that's uh, that's commonly a conversation that you you and I have ha- have had. Right? Yeah, yeah, that it, it kind of focusing focusing on the right issues, and at the end of the day, a lot of this, and this kind of does go back to what, a little bit of what you said before, Aaron, is. We're we're in a situation today where the the solutions for these problems are uh, almost always now rooted in technology, and they tend to be complicated. And they're always about solving a people problem. Almost almost exclusively, they're about dealing with. Um, with culture and relationships. And then you throw this thing that people does, they don't understand um, into this is how we're going to fix it. And we wonder sometimes why it doesn't turn out the way that we thought it was going to on the front end. You know, <laughs> and, and so it's one of those where, you know, that's why I'm so excited to be involved in this type of work. Well, I, I can tell you what I love about this group is that it's thoughtful, it's unemotional, and it's bipartisan. And I think when you have those three things, we can get a lot done. And I, that's what I, I see when I look around the table. All right, we're going to land this plane, guys. Uh, one big idea for Iowa. It can be in technology. It can be outside. But we always ask on this podcast, what's a big idea for Iowa? I'll start with you, Aaron Warner. I really like the idea of Iowa as a central hub uh, for technology um, for the United States. And I think we have that role to play. I think we have a lot of the right pieces of the puzzle. We certainly have a great place to live. Um, I, I think that that uh, our our geography lends itself well to that. Uh, and you know, again, as things get more and more complicated on the on the coasts, I think I think we have a lot to offer folks. Um, I recall from uh, being in biotech, we'd have uh, we'd recruit somebody in from San Diego, and they'd say. You know, I just sold my dad's house. I didn't want to, we don't want to spend too much because we want to keep a little bit of that money. You know, what can I get outside of Iowa City for for 700, 750 grand? You know, what does what 700 grand buy me in Iowa? Can I get anything? It's like, yeah, uh, welcome home. Um, this is this is a great place for you to be. So I think Iowa as a leader in in that world, I think we have huge opportunity there. Matt Cook? Big idea for Iowa in the future. Aaron and I tend to see um, uh, eye to eye on this, and this is this is still one of those you know talking points in TAI all the time. Uh, we talk about like the Iowan project. Mine's kind of a blend of both of those of, of what Aaron said plus that. You know, we can talk until we're blue in the face about how technology is awesome, and you know, and the work that we're doing is important, and it is. You know, but. We have to remain focused on putting Iowa and Iowans first. Um, we need more programs and funding that bring business and people to Iowa. The broadband bill is a great step in leveling that connectivity playing field, like Aaron said. Um, and that is only going to get more important every year. But 
you know, we need the momentum and incentives for Iowa companies to employ people within the state, especially rural areas. I mean, everything helps. But, you know, the pandemic has showed that the world working remotely is, in fact, a possibility. And, and that's great. You know, but we we still need community with each other. We still need the culture and relationships to keep us connected. Would we rather be doing this in person if we could? Absolutely. We just everybody likes that connection. Um, you know, at Suka, we uh, we pride ourselves on being a source for U.S. manufacturing jobs. We're continually leveraging the, te- the technology products to be able to to help us do our jobs better. But we are in need of that high skilled labor, which, you know, which seems to be very difficult to find, especially here in rural Iowa. So, you know, that big idea should be about playing to our strengths. We have lots of space. We got great infrastructure. We're improving that infrastructure with broadband. Um, you know, in Iowa, we're growing, if I can use an agriculture uh, uh, metaphor, we're growing great talent. And we cultivate them through our, through our communities and our schools and our universities. And then mo- a lot of our talent ends up leaving the state for what is perceived as better opportunities. You know, we need to change that mindset. And part of that is focusing on that talent retention and training the best and brightest for our companies inside the state. And so how do we keep them here? And, and that's really what I think we need to focus on. Well said, we'll leave it there. Matt Cook, Sukup Manufacturing, Aaron Warner with ProCircular. Thank you for your service for the Iowa technology industry. And thank you for joining me today on the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. That wraps up this episode of the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. At TAI, we believe every company is a technology company. Join us over at technologyiowa.org to help build and unite Iowa's technology community. If you like this podcast, please share it with your colleagues and friends.